The gospel reading for this morning is a tough one, um, but I didn't want to shy away from it this morning, which is why we have the board. Long explanation. Hopefully you'll get it in a little bit. Um, But it comes from Mark's gospel beginning in the seventh chapter at the 24th verse. And Mark wrote about these things. And from there, Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. And then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. I want you to hear that one more time because it's important. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, make our lives reflect what the gospel's about so that others around us might long for the transforming power of Jesus displayed in all that we do, that we would step out of our comfort zone, firmly rooted in unshakable faith, to actually become radical for Jesus' sake. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. This is really a tough one for the first Sunday back in our regular schedule, but we're going to take a look at this. So to set the stage, I have a brief story. A jungle tribe walks down a path, and they come upon a man lying beside the path with mushroom stems all around him. So the chief asks the youth, what do you see? A young man replies, well, a man dead. Well, what else? Mushroom pieces. Well, but what do you see? The chief repeats. And the answer comes back, a man dead and mushroom pieces. The chief grows impatient. 
I mean, what do you see? And the youth looked puzzled. But the face of one brightens. Oh, the mushroom must be poisonous, and that's what killed him. The light had gone on. The youth not only looked upon the man and the mushrooms, but he looked and saw relationships now, which produce new meaning. To look deeply into what is before us, I present to you today, means to see new relationships, which bring often new meaning and new understanding. So I don't want to shy away from this story today. Because we also know that there are levels of seeing, we who can see. We can merely look at something, letting that visual be like a picture, it's just there, or we can look so that seeing brings with it some meaning. So I go back to that fountain of wisdom, Yogi Berra, who once said, you know, we can observe a lot by looking. So this morning, I'd really like to look at what's going on in this passage about Jesus in Mark's gospel. You've probably heard it before, but I think I'd like to unpack it in a little different way and see if we might not see something we just haven't seen before. Now, these two stories that you heard today, they have some things in common. Not the least of which, I think, is that they can rub some of us the wrong way when we hear them. Each of these two stories has something about it that's generally kind of disturbing, and hopefully we can get to that. Well, the first story of a healing has Jesus outside his usual Galilean haunts. Here comes the artist again. Mediterranean Sea. Oh, I didn't leave myself enough room. This isn't to scale. Sea of Galilee. Here is Tyre. Now, you may or may not have known that Tyre is an island in the, sea, uh, or in the Mediterranean Sea. It's not an island anymore, though, and even from the time of Jesus, because Alexander the Great wanted to conquer Tyre. Now, I don't know whether he didn't have any ships or what the story is, but the story is that they built a land bridge, Alexander the Great and his troops, to get to Tyre to conquer it, that land bridge is still there today, and at the time of Jesus, you didn't have to sail to Tyre. Now, you also need to know that this region is beyond Palestine, which is where Jesus was generally comfortable. He didn't venture out very much. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, this is the one time that he ventures outside the region of um, Palestine. So this is Tyre, and 20 miles up the coast is Sidon. So when I first read this, and then the other piece of geography for this, I might as well just lay it out now, this is the region of the Decapolis. So in this, we've got Caesarea here by the Sea of Galilee, Tiberius is here, um, Magdala's here. What is going on with my microphone? Pardon me? I'm blowing in it? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Look what I'm willing to do for you. I want to make it 10 times harder on myself. <laughs> now, where was I? Okay, Tyre and Sidon. So, knowing that this is the first time Jesus has gone outside of the Galilean region, really, in Mark's gospel, we need to think about why. Why? And we find out the first thing that Mark's Mark tells us is that he gets to the region of Tyre and he enters a private house um, in order to stay hidden. So it seems that in this point of the, of the story, and I'm going to be really loose with an interpretation here, but if we really look at this, I think it seems like this might be a vacation. Jesus is ready to be hidden from people. He needs time away. So what does he do? He goes away from the place where he normally is. Those of us that like to go to dinner and stuff with us, we get out of Brexville. You know, we go to other places where there's a chance that somebody may not know who we are. Um, you do the same thing. If you really want vacation, we don't, we're bad at this these days. Jesus didn't carry a cell phone. Many of us even take our cell phones on vacation, but if you really want a vacation, leave the cell phone home. That's a whole other story and a whole other sermon. But it seems like this is a vacation. So if you can imagine, Jesus finally gets to where he wants to go. He gets into the house, hoping to stay hidden, probably sits down in the lazy boy, puts the footrest up, and the first thing he knows, this lady comes barging in the door, falls down at his feet and says, you've got to help me. We look at this. I look at this. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this for you because I think the exchange between Jesus and this woman um, is pretty harsh. But this may give us a little bit more understanding. Some gospel interpreters say, well, you have to look at the language because it says dogs in some places, but what he's really saying is puppies. I don't know how that makes it better, but I guess for some people, a nice, gentle puppy is better than calling somebody a dog. So, okay, you're not a dog, you're just a puppy. So this gets really disturbing fast, I think, because it's her faith however small or minuscule it is about what she knows about Jesus that drives her into the house. Somehow she gets past all the security um, and makes it to his feet and says, you've got to help me. My daughter has a demon. And she knows he can do something about it. And Mark then, in the way he tells the story, really shifts things because then it moves from her faith to solely her identity. Um, no longer is the story about what the woman believes. It just becomes obsessed be with who she is. Mark describes her as a Gentile and further, further goes on to racially profile her 
as a woman of Syrophoenician origin. So this is what we know about the woman. She came from the territory north of Palestine. It's a country that was traditionally hostile to Jews. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that Jesus was a Jew. She was presumably married. She had at least one child, but that's about all we ever know about her. We don't know whether she was a good woman or a bad woman. We don't know her name. All we really know about her is this one encounter that she had with Jesus. And we know this, that above all, she was willing to cross barriers. Her faith consisted mainly in the fact that she turned to Jesus for help. And it's quite remarkable, however, when you remember from her side of things that she was a Gentile, she was a Canaanite, a traditional enemy of the Jews, and she casts herself at Jesus' feet. They had been despised for centuries, much like the gulf that exists between Jews and Arabs to this day. So if our politically correct sensibilities aren't irritated by the edginess of how Mark relates who she is, our hackles should get raised by the exchange that now occurs between Jesus and the woman. Because in response to her begging on bended knee for healing, not for herself, but for her daughter, Jesus' response is cold and short and cutting. He seems to be unresponsive to anything but her religious identity and her ethnicity. And as the exchange continues, we can be even further disturbed because for us, not only does Jesus seem overly callous here, but the woman matches him with quick responses. And when at last we hear Jesus in this foreign territory relent and offer healing for the daughter, it's not based on this woman's faith, it's based on her words. But because of the cleverness of her words, for saying that, you may go, the demon has now left your daughter. So I submit to you from this half of our reading for today, that turning to Jesus for help today still requires crossing barriers. The barrier of time, 2,000 years, that's a wide gulf. Jesus lived then, we live now. We think it is such a different world today. How can he help me? There's a barrier of culture, a generation that travels to the moon and the far reaches of outer space may well wonder how they can get help from a first century Jew from Palestine. Can he even understand the problems that we face today? And then there's a barrier of pride. Can I ever get beyond myself and admit that I can't do this by myself? That I need help? I can't handle every situation that comes up in my life. Can we get to the point where we can cross the barrier of, I don't need you, Jesus. I'm doing quite well by myself. That one's tough enough on its own, but now we combine it with the healing story number two. But I think we need to look at this travelogue first because it's the thing that first hit me when I read this and I must have read this 200 times and it never settled into my thick skull. Listen to this. Then he returned from the region of Tyre 
and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Now look. To go from Tyre to the Sea of Galilee to the Decapolis. Sidon is 20 miles north. So I think, first of all, since we don't learn anything else that happens, this 20-mile north trip to get to the Sea of Galilee is probably a continuation of this, of a vacation, of a time away. But when he does come back to the Sea of Galilee, and this is about 57 miles to Tiberias from Sidon, so he's right across the lake from Tiberias, so say it's about 60 miles. That's a long journey. Mark doesn't write about anything else that happens in this little piece of travelogue. But when we get down to the region of the Decapolis now, that's when we hear the second story. So I don't know too much, although now in Cleveland, since we no longer have a hub for an airline, anytime we want to travel somewhere, we have to go somewhere else first. You know, so this is interesting because in this case, to go down here, you don't go as the crow flies, you go 20 miles north first, then 60 miles south. The region of the Decapolis, does anybody know what that is? You remember from your Bible study? Yeah, Jamie. Yep, 10 Roman cities. So this whole area is really 10 Roman cities, which puts Jesus in another unfamiliar territory. And once again, and I think this is something that holds both stories in common, it's not the person themselves that comes to Jesus and says, would you please help me? It's other people on the road that bring this person to Jesus and say, help him. They voice the request on his behalf. And notice how Jesus handles things here. The first thing he does is get face to face with the person that needs healing and separates them from the rest of the crowd. Now this, since it's told right after the other story, is provides a direct contrast to the other healing. It's not performed at some distance, which he did for the demon-possessed daughter. This is a direct hands-on affair. In fact, for many, if you read this, this healing is really pretty gross because Jesus actually pokes his fingers into the guy's ear. He spits and then puts his own spit on the guy's tongue. That's gross. And many people have tried to clean it up so that it's more acceptable, but if you read the text, please listen to me. There is no doubt that Jesus is the poker, the spitter, the toucher, the sire, the speaker. That's all Jesus. That's all Jesus. So I think why, we've got to ask, why? If Jesus can exercise demons from a little girl at a long distance with a simple word, why does it take such gross physical measures to cure this man's deafness and to give him speech? Why? And if you think I have the answer, I don't. And I think we could probably debate this until, as they say down on the farm, the cows come home. But it's the results that ultimately matter. And the crowds who witnessed this healing were moved to wonder, and they were astonished. 
And even when Jesus told them to tell no one, they went to everybody they knew and told them what they had seen and heard. And they concluded that Jesus had done everything well. And Jesus not only brings about the healing, but Jesus knows the best way to accomplish that for each person in their need. Hear me, that's still true today. Still true today. So really in conclusion this morning, I think that these two stories should also make us aware of one really more important thing to me this morning. I think they should make, they should make us aware of the unexpected blessing and insight that a stranger just might bring to us. Because if we're honest, most of our churches are made up of people who look like us, talk like us, think like us, and we could go on and on. And while it might just be understandable about why that is, can we agree this morning that it's also very limiting? But every once in a while, someone who is totally different than us might just show up here. And when that happens, we need to ask ourselves, how will we welcome this one? Will strangers who walk in our doors feel welcome here, or will they just feel strange? Will they sense that there's a place for them here? Or will we expect them to conform to look like us, talk like us, act like us, think like us? You know, when I first looked at this, and it was weeks ago, I titled this message, Packed and Ready to Go, because I was so taken with the roundabout travel that Mark describes in these gospel stories. Yet maybe the overarching message for this morning is that we need to pack our bags, not only to journey out from where we are and where we are comfortable, but we also need to pack our bags to more fully and hospitably receive those who just come to us. And I just think that's something to think about as we kick off a brand new program year here at Brexville UMC. And that's about all I have to say this morning, I think. Any questions? Oh, I can't take them all at one time, but... Questions? Anybody want to say anything? Thanks for listening. <laughs>